I want you to look in Genesis 27 today as a text for where we're going to begin this morning. And uh, we find ourselves in the third week of a series entitled, It Starts at Home. We're basing a lot of our study on the book by the same title from Kurt Bruner. Uh, Kurt used to be employed with Focus on the Family and is now committed to helping families become intentional about passing their faith on to the next generation. Kurt's book is out at Home Place along with some resources from some other wonderful people that can help you grow. We've identified about 30 different life stages, whether you're a single parent or you're a widow or whether you're a grandfather raising your grandkids or whatever you may be, a traditional family, whatever home is for you right now, there are resources back there to help you become intentional about establishing faith in your family. However, today, because I'm focusing on intentional parenting We have flooded the kiosk back there with a lot of resources on parenting, specifically on how to offer a blessing. I may say more about this in the end, but there's uh, some of these in the back, the blessing at home, and there's a lot of summary of what I'm saying today in the message, practical steps and resources, some books you can get about how to bless your children, how to bless your spouse, because there's a whole lot of stuff I could say today about being an intentional parent. Uh, There's enough stuff that I could preach a whole series about intentionality on parenthood when it comes to being a Christian parent. But I decided because Easter's quickly approaching and I don't have time to get into all of that, I need to hit the one that matters the most. And it seems to be what the Spirit is saying to my heart is what has made the greatest impact on my family. And it is the power of a biblical blessing as it is involved in the relationships of our family. There's a whole lot more information about being intentional in your families or as a parent at the Resource Center. But this morning, I'm going to talk to you about the blessing. It's an Old Testament concept that has had a profound impact on every one of our lives, whether we realize it or not, especially between parents and children. Even if you're not a parent, you may be tempted this morning to kind of check out and say, well, this doesn't relate to me. What I'm going to share with you this morning has a profound impact on every relationship in your life. If you're single, if you are married, if you never have children, what I'm going to say to you this morning will say something about yourself. It will say something about your Heavenly Father and how you relate to others in those relationships in your lives. It's an ancient concept, earthed from the pages of the Old Testament, found all throughout the New Testament, and it's simply called the blessing. But we're going to look specifically at the model of the blessing given to us in the 27th chapter of the book of Genesis. The blessing is one of the deepest needs in every person. And if you don't believe that receiving that blessing is valuable, it's because you don't fully understand the nature of a biblical blessing. As we're going to find out in the case of Isaac and his twin sons, Esau and Jacob, the approval of your parents affects you profoundly. And it ultimately affects your ability to transmit that approval to your children, to your spouse, and to your friends. There are a lot of us in the service today who have done everything we know to try to get that blessing from our parents. Or we've done everything we know to try to get that blessing from our husband or our wife. And it just hasn't happened. We've invested an emotional fortune trying to seek the approval from the people we love the most. In order to illustrate that, imagine that you take a toddler, a two or three year old, to a gumball machine. And I'm not talking about little gum. I'm talking about the big jawbreaker kind of gum. And it's in this glass case. And you put a quarter in, pull the lever, and the gum comes out. So imagine taking this two to three year old over to that glass case gumball machine. They put a quarter in, pull the lever, and it doesn't work. 
because you don't want to disappoint the child. You think maybe it's stuck or maybe it was different than 25 cents. So you put another quarter in, you pull the lever and it still doesn't come out. It's hard to explain to that toddler why you can see the gum, why you played by the rules and you paid for the gum, but you still can't have the gum. The same is true for many of us in deeper areas of life. We have seen unconditional love. We have watched approval modeled in relationships and other people's lives. We have seen that acceptance and work in their families. It's like the gum in the glass case. We have seen it. And then we've invested an emotional fortune in trying to earn it for ourselves from our parents or the people we love only to be disappointed. We're like the heartbroken toddler wanting the jawbreaker we can see that we know that we've paid for but because the machine is broken or the relationship is broken, we can't have it. The blessing communicates powerful truths that should be active in every Christian family. It's the most powerful method that we know to communicate unconditional love to a person, especially to our own children. It's vital to our self-esteem and our emotional well-being. In Genesis 27, there's a scene here that is repeated over and over again in households throughout the New Testament and even it continues to happen today in Orthodox Jewish homes and it is the blessing of the eldest son. In Genesis 27 verse 1, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, here I am, Esau answered, or here I am, Jacob answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like. Bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. This conversation is actually between Isaac and Esau. But those of you that know the story, you know that Esau was the oldest of twins, uh, Jacob was the younger twin, and as soon as Esau goes out to fulfill the expectations of his father, uh, Jacob, whose very name means deceiver in this context, goes in and deceives his father, and he steals Esau's blessing. Now, when I read this passage in Genesis 27, and I see the amazing hurt in Esau's heart because his father gave the blessing away, my immediate reaction is, why doesn't Jacob just cancel the blessing, say, I messed up, your brother deceived me, or why doesn't Isaac say, I messed up, Jacob deceived me, let me give the blessing to Esau where it rightfully belongs. It's because we don't understand Old Testament culture. We're a culture of print, a culture of written contract, and so something doesn't really have meaning to us until it's put in print and we actually sign it. In the Old Testament culture, that print didn't exist. There were no emails, no contracts, no lawyers to look over the backs and make sure it all worked out and everybody was agreeable on the terms. Contracts were verbal and your word was your bond. And in the Old Testament context of giving and receiving blessings, the blessing of this nature could only be given one time in a child's life. And once it was given, it was irrevocable. It could not be retracted. So when Jacob was given the blessing mistakenly by Isaac, his father, Esau is crushed. He is devastated because he knows the contract has been written, it has been signed, and there's no way to get it back. There are no do-overs in that particular context. The Scripture says he cried intensely. Imagine how he felt when he has waited his entire life for this moment. 
He is the eldest son. It is a part of his culture to receive this blessing from his father. It only happens one time. It cannot be retracted. And his brother steals it from him. Genesis 27, 34 says, When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me to my father. He cried. He begged for his father to bless him. He cried intensely because it was something he desperately needed. It was something he desperately longed for. He even said, Dad, is that, can you only give one blessing? Look in Genesis 27, verse 38. Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Please bless me too. Then Esau wept aloud. Isaac eventually gives Esau a blessing, but it's not the blessing of the oldest son. That was stolen. It was another blessing, but it wasn't what he wanted. In 21 years of ministry, especially in the context of me traveling the country and sharing the dysfunction from my own family and the broken relationship with my father's life, it is open in my, my relationship with my father, it has opened the door for a lot of people to come to me and talk to me about their own troubles in their relationship with their parents. And I have heard it from kids at youth camps all across this nation to adults sitting in my office as a pastor who are sadly cry like Esau longing for the approval of their parents. It's sad to again and again hear that even as adults people are still looking for their the blessing of their parents, men and women craving, wanting, crying for that blessing. This morning I want to address two main issues with you. First, I want, to ask, I want to look at what it's like to grow up in a home where you feel more like Esau than you do Jacob. Where you grow up in a home where the blessing is missing. And number two, I want us to look at the components of a biblical blessing. Because there are five elements of a biblical blessing that if you add them into the life that you have with your child or you add them into your marriage or you add them into your meaningful relationships, they're going to revolutionize the connection and intimacy and the spiritual bond in that relationship. So I want us to look at what it's like to grow up like an Esau without the blessing. And then I want us to look at the five components of a biblical Old Testament and you see those same five elements in the New Testament in that biblical blessing. Here's the consequence of growing up feeling like Esau and living a life starving for unconditional love, acceptance, and approval. Number one, people that grow up in that environment tend to carry anger with them for the rest of their life. You remember John said in John 1 and 2 that anger pushes us into darkness, 1 John 2, 11. But anyone who hates his a brother or sister is in darkness and walks in the darkness. In other words, anger pushes you into darkness. And somebody that's grown up longing for something so badly that never received it, it embitters them like Esau cried uh, bitterly and, and, and he wept aloud. That, that emotion is carried with them for the rest of their life and they tend to carry that anger with them. They tend to be critical, bitter, and carry that anger with them. Uh, number two, someone who grew up more like Esau, they tend to carry fear into their future. Fear has the capacity to make you far less loving as a person. Fear makes it hard for you to trust people. Fear makes it hard for you to attach. When you didn't receive the stability of unconditional love spoken over your life or you knew for sure that was there because it was affirmed again and again, you live in fear about lasting relationships. You live in fear about whether people are going to walk out on you. And that 
fear breeds a sense of insecurity and it breeds distrust into your relationship and it makes it hard for you to connect. It makes it hard for you to bond. It makes it hard for you to be intimate in any kind of relationship when you carry that fear from your relationship growing up into other relationships. The great news is there's a scriptural promise that tells us we can reverse the equation in our lives. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. There is a scriptural promise that love can reverse the equation in our relationship. So even if you grew up and there's anger there, or you grew up and there's fear there that is affecting your marriage, or affecting the way you parent, if God's love comes into that situation like it needs to, it can reverse the equation because perfect love drives out fear. Number three, People that grow up like Esau tend to have a time, hard time cleaving to another person in close relationship. That's a very biblical word. comes from the King's English. Specifically, the, 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 the admonition on marriage in Genesis chapter 2, 24. It says in the NIV, This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. The King James says, And cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. Cleave is a King James word that simply means to unite or to connect deeply. The biblical model for marriage is that a man or a, and a woman leave their parents, cleave. You leave and cleave, leave and cleave. But the person who has never had the blessing of their parents emotionally never leaves their home emotionally. And even though they may be physically in a house, in a legal marriage with somebody else, they are unable to bond and connect because they're carrying that lack of connection in that relationship into the new one. So uh, somebody that grows up like Esau has a hard time cleaving to another person in a close relationship. And the fourth characteristic of somebody who grows up like Esau is the worst and most damaging thing that can ever happen to a person. Missing the blessing of our parents can dramatically affect our relationship with our Heavenly Father. I'll give you a classic example. John Trent is uh, a great uh, author and writer, Christian speaker, who has written the book, The Blessing, and it's one of the books we're recommending for you at the Home Place Center. And he says when he wrote the book, it just opened a firestorm of letters that came into his office. One of those letters was from a man who had a horrible experience as a child, but it impacted the way he viewed God. He said, you know, it was approaching Father's Day weekend. This man has grown writing the letter, but reflecting back on a day when he was nine years old, and he said it was Father's Day and I wanted to do something special for my dad. And so he'd been really busy working and the yard looked horrible. The hedges were out of whack. And so when he got up and went to work early that Saturday morning, I surprisingly got up right behind him and decided I'd spend the day on the yard. So I worked all day long. I edged and I trimmed and I pruned and I cut. And when I finished, I sat by the window anticipating my dad's return because I knew that when he came back, he was going to give me what my heart longed for. I just wanted him to be pleased with me and I wanted him to affirm me. So when his dad gets home, he walks around the yard and he looks at the hedges and he goes into the tool shed and he looks and sees the sun sitting in the window and he beckons for the boy to come over from the window and the boy on his way over there just assumes that this is the moment where his dad's going to, his, his chest is swelling because he knows his dad's going to be proud. And he walks into the tool shed and his dad has the lawnmower turned upside down, is pointing out to him where he has taken these newly sharp blades. He's hit rocks. He's allowed the blades to cut the side of the sidewalk. Somehow he has damaged this new piece of equipment. And the dad spends 20 minutes berating his son. And on Father's Day weekend, punishment for 
destroying dad's tools is that he said, you know what, I'm just not going to talk to you for a while. I'm going to teach you a lesson that if you're going to use my equipment, that uh, you're going to have to take care of it. And he never said one kind thing, and he walked in and gave his son the silent treatment. Now, as adults, we hear that story. It's a true story. We hear that story, and we think the dad was sick. He's crazy. He's the one with the problem. But when you're the nine-year-old kid and you hear those words, you think you're the one that messed up. You think you're the one that blew it. You think you're the one that's wrong. And so this child that grew up that is now writing this letter says, I never felt appreciated my whole life. I never felt valued. I never even felt it from my heavenly father because it was transmitted that way to my earthly father. I have a hard time believing and trusting in a heavenly father that he actually really loves me. And no matter how hard I earn it or how moral I live or how many good deeds I do, I have a hard time believing that I am truly forgiven in my relationship with God. A person that has the experience this man has has had, has a problem trying to understand the unconditional, unearned love of a heavenly father. That's not the legacy I want to leave my kids. I know that's not the legacy you want to leave your kids. That's not what I want active in my marriage. Not what I want active in the relationships with the people that I care about. So how do we effectively convey all of the attributes of a biblical blessing to the people around us that we care about? Specifically to our children, but in any relationship. How do we convey the power of that spiritual moment in a biblical blessing? I want us to look at how we can leave a different legacy. There are five elements that are a part of that blessing. Number one, meaningful touch. Every time the blessing was given in the Scripture... It always had meaningful touch as a part of the blessing. Now, I want you to do something. Um, I want you to turn around to the person beside you, a spouse, somebody you don't know, somebody sitting beside you, shake their hands and say, look them in the eye and say, you're valuable. Go ahead. See, now look at you. You're smiling, you're laughing, all because of an unexpected touch you know what just happened when you touch that person the hemoglobin in their body increased isn't that amazing why is that important because physical touch increases hemoglobin which allows oxygen levels to increase in your blood when physical meaningful physical touch happens your eyes dilate endorphins increase which wind up there are beta blockers to pain touch literally lowers your blood pressure there are over 14 positive physiological things that happen to a person who simply has a meaningful handshake with another person you physically bless that person look at how touch is a part of the biblical blessing. Genesis 27 and 21. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son. And then you see in the next uh, several verses, verse 25, Genesis 27, 25, at the end of that verse, he says, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So as a part of the context of the biblical blessing was meaningful, appropriate touch. You have a father. Now, how old are these guys? Well, Genesis 26 says that they are 40. Um, Esau is 40, so how old will Jacob be? He's 40. Some of you are smart. They're twins. He's 40, all right? I mean, just, just a little math test here. You got it. Uh, some of you got it. Um, they're 40 years old. I mean, I want you to picture this. 40-year-old men, their father saying, Come here so I can touch you. Come so I can kiss you. I mean, when you think about it, 
what age do most fathers stop showing affection to their children, especially their sons? In American culture, it's 9 or 10 if they even get that old that a father would actually show, touch, physical affection. In our culture, people are more willing to kiss their dogs, hug their cats, and love on their horses than we are our own children. It's real. Because touch, meaningful, appropriate touch, is absent in our culture, but it is present in the form of a scriptural blessing. The word come close in the scripture is the same word used to describe when an army is very close to each other in battle and they hug one another after an intense battle. It's not the kind of hug that you get, you know, that little side swipe you get when, uh, you know, when somebody's not really that interested or when you've seen Aunt Ethel and you hadn't seen her a long time and you're not even really sure if she likes you and she gives you kind of that A-frame hug where she bends way over... And pat you on the back like she's trying to burp you. It's not, it's not one of those kinds of hugs. This is, this is a deep embrace. A big hug. Come close to me so I can touch you. I mean, let me just ask this question. How many of you come from a home um, where physical expression was not an active part of your home. Just Let me just see that. I'm a, I just was curious comparing that. You come from a home where you know, there wasn't a lot of physical touch. Okay, I'd say about half. It's been, it was that case in some of the other services too. About half of the people, maybe a little more. The reality is, if it didn't happen for you, it's uncomfortable when it comes for you to give it away. But physical touch and physical contact is important for you to pass on Blessing to someone else. Secondly, verbal expression. You got to say it. You got to speak it. It's always spoken. They verbalized it. They talked. Come near and let me bless you. So they brought them near. Jesus said, bring the children to me. So they brought the children near to him so he could touch them. And then Jesus spoke a blessing over the children. I have a lot of people, I hear them say, well, you know, My children know I love them, but I'm just not a a verbal person. You have to become intentional about changing that if you want to speak a biblical blessing. Parents, I cannot tell you how many people have walked out of my office and they were heartbroken because their parents just assumed they knew. But I, I, they say, I want to hear it. I want to know it. But I've never heard it. I've never felt it. If the blessing is not verbalized, It doesn't close the loop in the relationship. It's difficult for a son or daughter to feel the love and the acceptance that you want to assume they know is there if you don't verbalize it in order to close the gap. Now, my dad was absent from my life, most of it, so I grew up in my grandfather's home. And my grandfather's a World War II guy. He's tough as nails. He's rough as sandpaper. And he's the kind of guy that told my grandma, I told you I loved you the day I married you. And if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. And so... No news was good news. We're just trekking along because he was not the most verbally affirming person in the world. But when he said something affirming, the world stopped and took notice because he didn't just give that stuff out easily. One day I was was in my rebellious season as a kid and 
and um, I was uh, in his home. My mother and I were living in his home, and, and I was sneaking out at night, and, you know, and, and I, would, I would fix up my bed and make it look like somebody was in there because my grandfather told me, you know, when, when you're old, you don't sleep, boy, so I'll catch you, you know. And that's what he always... And so he would always come look in my room. So I, I fixed up my bed, you know, so it, when somebody would just make a quick peek, it looked like somebody was in the bed, and I'd sneak out. Well, one day I came back right before the sun came up, I pulled back the covers and I screamed like a little girl because my grandfather had fixed my bed up like it was supposed to be fixed. I mean, there was like a scarecrow in my bed. There were wig and eyes and, I mean, all the stuff that, that is supposed to be there if you're really going to fix it up. And uh, I knew I had been busted. So the next morning, I, I lay down for a few minutes and I go to breakfast and it's quiet. I'm not saying nothing. My mom's, I don't know if she knows and... And so she gets up and goes to work, and my grandmother leaves the room, and my grandpa's sipping, and he, he, we used to make really hot coffee, and he would pour it in a saucer and sip it out of the saucer, and he never looked at me. I said, so what are you going to do? And he said, what do you want me to do? Because you have to understand, my grandfather is a guy all my life that made me go get my own will switch. I had to pick it out. And if the Willis Witch wasn't good enough for whatever crime I'd committed, he used a leather horse bridle. This is a man who came down in judgment. And I was, even though I was older, I was afraid out of my mind of what the punishment was going to be for this one. I said, I don't know what you ought to do. He said, well, you know what, son? You're never going to be perfect. And uh, I understand you're a boy without a father. So I'm not going to do anything. I said, does that mean you're not going to tell my mom? He said, no, I'm not going to tell your mom. But it better never happen again. My mom still doesn't know, unless she's listening to the podcast. She still doesn't know. <laughs> my grandfather carried that secret to his grave. Now, I'm not telling you my grandfather had the greatest uh, uh, tool right at that moment. I'm not telling you he did the right thing. I can tell you when I left that table, I didn't want to dishonor him again. It was in that moment of him speaking some words to me when I deserved the worst. He gave me the benefit of the doubt and he blessed me in a way that I had never heard him bless me before and it made me want to honor him. And this is also what it made me want to know. I knew his love was unconditional and I knew in my life no matter how bad I blew it, I could always go back home. That one moment taught me that reality. But you have to give that blessing. You have to learn to verbalize that blessing. So meaningful touch... You have to verbally express it. And the third is you have to attach high value in the blessing. Attach high value. To bless literally means to bow the knee. Just in the same way you are going to bow your knee in front of a king to ascribe worth and honor to that person. To bless literally means to bow the knee. It is to sign great value. Value them for who they are. In the scriptural blessing, it included, in everything they said, it included a value, a great meaning, a significant worth, a sense of meaning in that person's life. It said to them, you are important. Children in our homes have a radar and they know whether or not they are valuable to us or not. You may have heard the story that floated around about the father who was addicted to his work. He worked hard. He was at home one Saturday getting ready to go to work. He was trying to help the family out financially. And he was reading his paper right before he headed out the door, slipping his shoes on, reading the paper, drinking the coffee. And his little boy comes over to him and says, Dad. And the father says, What? 
The boy says, I have something I, I want to give you. And so the dad stretched out his hands and the little boy handed him some crumpled up dollar bills and some change. And the father said, well, what is this? He said, Dad, it's, it's $8.54 and it's all that I have, but I will give it to you if you'll stay home and play with me today. It's a young boy who doesn't know how to ask, who is crying for the same thing Esau was crying for. It's in the heart of every one of us, whether we've ever acknowledged it or not, bless me to my father. The child is willing to give the dad everything he has in return for a blessing. He's saying, Dad, I know your work is important, your career is important, your hobbies are important, but am I not important? Do I matter to you, Dad? He's asking to know from his dad that he is valued. And one of the greatest ways to bless a child is spelled T-I-M-E. To put something aside and say you matter. You have to attach high value. And one of the ways is sacrificing something else that matters to you to be involved in their life. Treating our children as valuable. Treating them with honor. Honor is a valuable part of the blessing because honor means to give worth to something. Significant physical contact, verbal expression, uh, expressing deep appreciation or attaching high value to them in the context of the way you bless them. And number four, the blessing needs to contain a description of a, of a preferred future or a particular future. I speak a blessing over you almost every Sunday. And in that blessing is the painting of a better future. This is the word I speak over you every Sunday. It comes straight from Scripture. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine down upon you. May He be gracious to you. May He turn His countenance towards you and give you peace. comes right out of the Bible. Every element of that blessing is preferred future. It speaks to your future. It speaks to your tomorrow. May your future be blessed. May His favor be with you. May He walk with you. May He keep you. May He protect you. It is a futuristic component of a blessing. In Genesis 27, listen to this blessing that Isaac prayed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. It is a picture for his son of a preferred future, a, a future that awaits them, a blessing that awaits them. It's beautiful, wonderful future that the Lord has designed for them. Maybe we can't give a blessing just like the prophets, and, but we can speak words. Listen, the future of your children can be unlocked by the power of what you say. There is power. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And we want to equate that to every spiritual dynamic of our family. But the way we speak over the lives of our children. Or the way we speak over the lives of our spouse. Or the way we speak over the people's lives that we love and care about. You can unlock destiny for them. You can unlock promise for them simply by speaking that preferred future over them. When you pray, a blessing can ultimately change their life. If you see a talent in someone, let them know it. 
If you see something good happening, affirm it. If you see them doing well, I don't care if it's coloring or singing or athletically or the way they're going after God or doing their devotions, help them picture the possibilities of their future by speaking a blessing over their life. Say something like, with that voice, God could use you to touch people's lives. With that artistic talent, have you ever thought about painting or writing or their sports skills or their ability to be hospitable? You can paint the picture for someone. I mean, I, one of my kids was uh, writing a song yesterday. And, and, and I, 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 I didn't get to them. They went to bed before I got to them. And I stood at the door of their room. And, and I just stretched my hands that way. And because I'm studying this, I said, God, let whatever song they're writing today touch the nations tomorrow. I stood outside the door of another kid this week that was, that was working for a choir and they tend to lean more to the athletic side instead of the artistic side and I, I stood outside the door just to listen to him sing because he has an unbelievable voice but he doesn't want anybody to hear it and I, I listened to him sing and I prayed over him last night when I laid my hands on his forehead and I blessed him that God would unlock that dormant potential in his life and use it to, to touch people to bring glory and honor and majesty to the, to the name of Jesus began to look at what you can unlock by the power of your words like Isaac did in his blessing and finally an active commitment You've got to be a student of the child you're trying to bless. What matters to them? What are their hobbies? What do they love? You're, you're, you're interested enough, if it's not a child, if it's, be a student of the person you fell in love with. What do they like? Because you can't bless them with being, having an active commitment in their lives. I mean, yesterday, I, I, Haley, we're getting packed for Singapore and I, I look over at her and she's got this book and it's a, it's a book that 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old boys are reading. I said, that's what you're taking to read on this trip? She said, yeah. I said, do you want to read that? She said, not really. I said, well, why are you reading that? She said, because our boys are reading that. She is intentionally stepping into what is interesting to them. It's an active commitment to be involved in their lives. You see... The blessing is something that you cannot give unless you have received. And the reason many of us don't have it as an active part of our lives is because we have never received it in our own hearts, our own families. But it's never too early to give a blessing. And it's never too late to receive a blessing. Today is a good day to receive the touch of God's love in your own life and to begin giving it away to the people that matter the most to you. It's a day to give the blessing away. You know what? The blessing was not a part of my home. My dad wasn't there to give it. My grandfather kind of just wasn't of that kind. And so I'm not the most touchy, verbal, affirming person, but we're talking about being intentional. I don't want that to continue in my family. Uh, I, 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 want, I want to convey this biblical model in my own family. And I can remember, the reason the blessing, the reason I pray it every Sunday is because it means so much to me. There's just something that's so profound to me. There's something supernatural in it when I speak it over your life as a pastor. I know that some of you have never had it in your whole life. And if you do, you don't get it every week. And so I want you to come into this place. And no matter what I preach on, at the end of the message, I want you to hear a biblical blessing. 
I can't touch every one of you, but that's the reason why you'll see some people stretch out their hands because it's a, it's a moment of symbolic touch where the blessing is being spoken and all of those elements that I've just mentioned, all five are a part of that statement. I remember the first time I ever heard that blessing prayed. I was a master's degree student and the professor prayed it over us and I wept. And I thought, why did I weep over that? Because I understood the profound implications of what he was doing. I had never had it in my life and I knew what he was doing was going to change the pattern for the way I pastored, the way I treated my wife, and the way I parented my children. Being an intentional family, an intentional couple, an intentional parent is learning how to speak, touch, add value, express it, stay committed to it, be actively involved in it. Bless them. One of the reasons it's hard for some of us is because we've never really felt the love of God. You know, I grew up in a really strict environment. So I figured that God was like my grandpa. My grandpa was a holy man. He just didn't share his love a whole lot. And so I grew up in a really strict religious background where, where you felt like God was mad at you and your approval from God came because you earned it because it was performance based so it was easy for me to feel like I was always trying to appease an angry God and when I got enough in the word as an adult and I started finding out about grace that his love for me is not based on my performance when I understood that his love is unconditional and then when I understood this point he really takes pleasure in me there was this freedom in my life that I can bless Him. He takes pleasure in me. And I, maybe that's not a big deal for some of you, but it was breathtaking for me. And understanding that and receiving His love has enabled me to give it away. So I want to I pray what I always pray over you at the end of the service, but I want it to be different today because I want it to be the starting point of you receiving the blessing of God in your life, filling His embrace, filling His approval, filling His unconditional love, so that when you walk out of here, you can start giving it away. The Resource Center, we have a few of these. It's a summation of some of the things I've said today, a survey about how you're doing in your home. They're blessing starters for Husbands to speak over a spouse, blessing a young child, a teen, blessing a child of any age, blessing another adult, speaking a blessing back to a parent, a blessing to a sibling or another relative. And there are other resources, a recipe here for a blessing. All kinds of things back there to help you grow in this area. As insignificant as it seems, it has a profound impact on our lives. So would you stand with me all over this place today and would you let me speak a blessing straight out of the Word of God over your life today? Pastor Bear's got a song that we talked about this morning and it just simply says, You are good and your love endures forever. His love will never stop. It's not based on your performance. He takes pleasure in you today. Like Pastor Bear told Maddie, this last week, whatever you do, wherever you go, I'll always love you. And there's really nothing you can do about it. And that's what God says to you today. When you feel that and you experience that, 
you can give it away. So let me bless you. Father, I pray that you will bless them. I pray that you will keep them, protect them. I pray that you will make your face shine down upon them. Lord, will you be gracious to them? Maybe in areas they didn't deserve it. Maybe when they even expected judgment. May they find your graciousness. And then, Lord, would you turn your countenance their direction? That means, God, would you, would you turn your face? Would you be the apple? Would you let them be the apple of your eye? Would you take pleasure in them? May they understand that you love them so much that they command your attention. And then, God, give them peace. Shalom. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. May their hearts be so dramatically touched by the love of God today that it affects the way they love each other, the way they love their spouses, the way they love their children, the way they love their parents. Fill their heart with your blessing. In Jesus' name. You know, in the first service I had the prayer team come. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say this today. I believe that there may be some people in response to this message that need some time with God. Maybe because you need God to touch you so you can go give His love away. It's never too early to give a blessing to anybody. It's never too late for you to receive the blessing for yourself. Maybe you just need His unconditional love to your wayward heart today. Whatever it may be, Pastor Bear is going to keep the environment worshipful as you walk out of the building but some of you may feel the draw of the Holy Spirit just to fill some of this empty space and spend some time with God I want you to know it's available to you today God bless you I love you